Uh, we're going to keep rolling this week on this topic of wisdom. And uh, Cindy did such a great job the last two Sundays bringing Wednesday night VBS into Sunday morning for all of us as grown-ups. So as adults, parents and grandparents and neighbors and friends, we're learning the same stuff that our kids are learning on Wednesday night. And it's so important because the focus of VBS this year is wisdom. And, and part of what we were really hoping to do is that if you don't have a reason to be around or to, to see Cindy and her personality and, and just why it is that the kids program and the kids ministry here is doing so great, it's because of Cindy and her fire and the people that are around her and the leaders that volunteer, the adults for the older kids and the younger kids. And we just wanted as a congregation to be able to go through some of that together. But this idea of wisdom is so important. I, I'm so grateful that the VBS that they chose this year is on wisdom because our kids get hit with a lot of information and a, not, a lot of knowledge and a lot of rules and a lot of crazy new ideas, but they don't get introduced to wisdom out there. And so what better to talk about in the church than wisdom? Wisdom is so important. In the Bible, wisdom is a blessing. Wisdom is something that we should seek. It's something that we should desire. It's something that we should ask God for. It is something that is very, very desirable. And so I looked up what is wisdom just by definition, not biblically, but just generally. Wisdom is knowledge and the capacity to put it to good use. It isn't just enough to have knowledge, to have information or to be smart. Wisdom is, is taking that knowledge and putting it to good use. And it, it seems simple enough. But you don't have to go through very much of your life and you realize not everybody on earth is blessed with wisdom. There are some people that are sorely lacking, like maybe have never even heard of it. You maybe have been in that camp yourself a time or two. I know I have. And so I think about the most intelligent people that I know. And it strikes me that the reason that I respect them is for what they know, for their smarts, for what they've done in their field or, or, or what it is that they know about a subject it isn't necessarily that I've ever seen them exhibit wisdom. And so if you think about it, who are the smartest people? Who is the smartest person you know? You maybe can get a picture of that person in your mind, but then if I say intelligence, just, just being smart, is not the same thing as wisdom. Does that person also take their knowledge and do they put it to good use? God wants us to make sure that we're not just knowledgeable. And, and, and that would con include a relationship with Jesus. It isn't enough to just to know that Jesus is out there or who he is. Wisdom is understanding who Jesus is and having a relationship with him. So if we're going to be honest, all of us have had times in our life when we have needed wisdom. But instead, we've acted in a hurry or we've acted foolishly or we've acted without really thinking. And, and we've acted without wisdom where we know that we need it, but we just we act without any wisdom whatsoever. And the simple fact is wisdom is necessary for us to make good decisions. We can't just have knowledge. We have to be able to know what to do with that knowledge. And yet, sadly, it seems in America, we're surrounded by people, whether it's in government or business or social media or, or celebrities or, or sometimes even in churches, who make it look like they have absolutely not so much as a mustard seed of wisdom about them. And yet so many of those people are the ones that we look to for advice. We look to for information. We make them celebrities. We make them heroes. As though everything that they say has value. Maybe they have an opinion, but do they have wisdom? It's the people who seem to have little or no wisdom who are the ones 
that are telling us with their words and showing us with their actions how to live. In the world of computers that we live in, think about YouTube and TikTok and Instagram and TED Talks and self-help books and a multitude of influence from different views and ways of thinking and different spiritualities, but it does not mean that there is wisdom involved. Wisdom has been replaced with a whole bunch of agenda-driven, empty, feel-good information. I spent way too much time in the past week looking at worldly wisdom. What does the world say that we should believe? What, what does the world lift up as important? What does the world tell us that we should think? And oh my goodness, what a bunch of garbage. Solomon was already wise when he asked for wisdom. And if you stop and think about it, how many people that you're surrounded by would you give the compliment to and say to someone else, you know what, she's a really wise woman. He's a really wise man. Would people say that about you? So today it's as important as ever to ask ourselves the very same question that the kids are going to be posed with at VBS this week. And it's this. Who is the wisest person you know? Who's the wisest person that you know? And then do you seek their counsel? Do you seek their advice? Do you go to them not just for information but for their wisdom? Do you trust their wisdom wisdom, and then do you follow it and act on it? Who do you listen to? Whose advice do you trust? When, when you need someone with wisdom you can trust, who do you go to? That's a really important question and that answer makes a big difference because we all make a lot of decisions. So I did what I usually do when I'm preparing a message. I go to the internet and I say, how many decisions do we make? Do you know that as a typical average American living today, do you know that you are faced with 35,000 decisions a day? You make 35,000 decisions every day on average. And, and do you really want to think that you can make good, knowledgeable decisions 35,000 times in a row every day without wisdom? No way. It is impossible. Wisdom, godly wisdom, comes through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit of God is the one that helps us make the right decisions. So think about it for a little bit. What are some of the big decisions you face? 35,000 people came up after the service last, uh, last hour and said, 35,000, no way, I don't think I make 20. Well, if you're an average American, and I'd say we all are, we make 35,000 a day. So if you're in school... Right now, you're facing some of the toughest decisions you're ever going to have to make in your whole life because the impact of the decisions that you face today are going to be with you for the rest of your life. Uh, how about a simple one? Do you study for the test or do you cheat? It's real easy. It, it, sometimes cheating is easier than it should be to get out the answers or to follow a friend who spent the time because everybody has those friends who spend more time studying than we do, right? Maybe you are that friend who's so tired of everybody else taking your answers. You've got to make the decision. Are you going to cheat or are you going to study? Cheat. Well, there's wisdom and there's not wisdom. So I love the interactive. That's good. <laughs> What about the pressure? And suddenly I'm afraid of this one. <laughs> Maybe I should skip it. No, we're going to go forward. What about the decision to try drugs or alcohol? Because the truth is, the pressure that you're under in school is, if you don't do it, because everybody's doing it, if you don't do it, you're not cool. 
And there's a whole lot of things that your friends, if you're in school right now, tell you that you're not going to be cool if you don't say yes to, but something in you knows that it's wrong. Who are you going to go to to help you walk you through that? They're going to say, you know, you're not, you're not cool enough if you say no. But is that wisdom? Is that really a friend? As we get older, we face a whole lot of other decisions, and they feel like they're so much more important. But in reality, I don't know that they're really any bigger than the ones we faced when we first get started in school. After you graduate, you have to make the decision, are you going to get a job and jump into a career right away and start building your career? Or are you going to go to college and and figure out what you want to do? And and what are you going to do for a career in the first place? And then what about, uh, how do you know when you find the right person? And should you get married or should you not get married? Should you have children? Should you buy a house? How do you spend your time? How do you spend your money? Do you invest? Do you spend and enjoy? But one of the biggest decisions that all of us face, and it doesn't change no matter how old we get, Who are going to be your friends? Who are the people that you're going to spend your time with? Who are the folks that you're going to share yourselves and your truth and and your hurts and your fears with? Who are you going to trust and be connected to? That's one of the single most important decisions that every single one of us has to make. But you know what? There's one that even is bigger than that. Are you going to believe that God is who God says He is? And are you going to believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, as your Savior? Jesus, who gave his life to save us from our sinfulness, who are you going to go to to help you make that decision? Because the person that you seek out and the wisdom that you ask, ask for, the counsel, the advice that you receive, makes all the difference, not just for this life, but for all eternity. That's a decision that just doesn't last until you die. It's a decision that lasts forever. You may have heard the phrase that's become pretty popular lately. You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So I started looking into that. It seems that while it's an interesting thought, it really isn't true. There's helpful truth to be drawn from it. But the influence of who we are, we're the average of a lot more than just those five people. In fact, we're we're greatly influenced by all of the people that we encounter and all the information that we pour into our brains. We're influenced by what we read on social media. You're influenced by the things that you go to on your phone and your iPad and your computer and and the news that you read because the news that you read comes from the sources that you trust. And if that source is a biased source, you're greatly influenced by it and it might not all be the truth. We know that too well. We're influenced by people that we'll never meet. We're influenced by what people in the office talk about and we're influenced by how it is that we engage in those conversations. We're influenced by what it is that we talk around, talk about at the supper table around home, at the office, uh, at the coffee shop, at your bar with friends. And in my observation, it's a lot more than five. You become the average of all of the information and all of the influence that you allow into your mind. Do you choose that influence thoughtfully? Are you careful about who you talk to? Who you listen to, the conversations that you have, do you think about who you spend your time with? Would you describe any of your friends or the people in your office that you spend so much time with, would you describe them as being a man or a woman of godly wisdom? Would you describe them as someone who is going to help you understand what's best for you according to God's will for your life? Do you seek their counsel because it's more than just an opinion or it's grounded in God's word? Or do you seek their counsel because they agree with you and they tell you what you want to hear? 
Solomon spoke from experience in Proverbs 13. He said this, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Think about the people that you spend most of your time with. Think about the websites or the apps that you pull up on your phone as you scroll through that information. Are those people and are those things making you a better, more godly man or woman? Or are they just telling you the things that you want to hear? Are they entertaining you and wasting your time? Are they challenging and encouraging you to become more wise and more godly? Because if they're not, Proverbs then tells us, when our friends are fools, because that's the category that it would fall into, because fools are the ones who encourage us to pick up their bad habits in order to feel better about themselves. Fools are the ones who don't really care about you. They just care about themselves, but they want more people to think like them around them. Fools are the people who think that they're smarter or have more wisdom than God shares with us in his word. Fools are the one that are going to cause us to suffer harm when we listen to them. An example in the book of Second Chronicles, we read about King Solomon. And Solomon, remember, incredibly wealthy, but God gave him wisdom like no one else has ever had. Rich and wise. Not only did he have knowledge and wealth, but he knew how to use them properly. Rehoboam is his son, and he became king after Solomon died. But one of the things that happened towards the end of Solomon's life was that he was, he was so wealthy that he became an incredibly ambitious builder. And he put the people to work almost in, in an unfair, horrible way. They worked like crazy. But they had so much respect for him and so much fear of him that they didn't do anything. They didn't revolt. So when he died and his son Rehoboam became king, it was a whole different story because he wasn't the man that his father was. And so Rehoboam, he kept the people working. He kept moving things forward. He kept asking as much as he could out of these people. He kept demanding from them. Well, the people kind of started a union, if you will, and they sent a guy named Jeroboam to come and talk to Rehoboam. Yeah, names are an awful lot alike. Wait till you see the other connection between those two. And what Jeroboam went to Rehoboam and asked was, will you please ease the burden of the people? They're just getting tired. And if they get much more tired, I don't know what's going to happen. And so Rehoboam very wisely went to the elders. And he said, what do I do? This is the question that I've been asked. This is what the people are saying. This is what he has come to me with. What do I do? And the elders said to them this. They said, be kind to them. Please them. Give them what they're asking for. They will always serve you. That's wisdom coming from the elders. But Rehoboam wasn't his father Solomon. Instead, he did something different. He went what so often we do. He went to his friends for their advice. Because maybe he thought, my, my friends will tell me what I want to hear. And their advice was very different. It reminds me of Job and everything that he went through and the advice that Job's friends brought to him. They thought they were filling him with so much wisdom. They were giving Job all the right questions to ask, but none of it was. See, Rehoboam's friends, they told him to go back to the people and say this, my little finger is stronger than my father's legs. These people knew that Solomon was a powerful king. He says, my little finger is stronger than my father's legs. My father put a heavy load on your shoulders, but I'll make it even heavier. My father beat you with whips, but I will beat you with bigger whips. Rehoboam decides to go with the advice of his friends, threaten the people, and get as much work out of them as he could. The result of it was that Jeroboam and those people split the kingdom of Israel. 
And if you read back in the Old Testament, you talk about the divided kingdom, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. There became one, one of the kingdoms was located in the north of Israel in, in a city called Dan, and the south was in Jerusalem. And Rehoboam held on to the kingdom in Jerusalem, and Jeroboam led the northern kingdom from the north part of Israel in Dan. The result of listening to his friends was total disaster. Everything that Solomon had built and handed off to Rehoboam was completely destroyed and it was split in half because of Rehoboam seeking the advice of his friends, not the wisdom of elders. But you know what the biggest mistake that Rehoboam made? It was that he went to his friends and he didn't consult God. Never once does the Bible say that Rehoboam consulted God. Solomon went back to God all the time to where the Bible records conversations between them. Rehoboam went to his friends and they told him what he wanted to hear. Without seeking God's wisdom and by acting on the foolish advice of foolish men, the kingdom of Israel was split in two. And without seeking God's wisdom, our lives can be split in two as well, no less dramatically than what happened to Israel. Gaining wisdom isn't hard. The Bible makes it clear. In James 1, you want encouragement, this is encouragement. James 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, any of you, that means all of us. If any of you lacks wisdom, and we could all raise our hand because we can all use more, let them ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given. God gives generously to all. God wants us to have, to live in, and to share godly wisdom. God wants you to be a man or woman of godly wisdom. God, God wants us to be people that other folks come to and say, what do you think? What would you do? And then we say, well, let's, let's pray about it. Let's ask God. And let's see what his word has to say. Not say, well, here's my thought or this is my idea. Last week, Cindy talked about how we use wisdom when we stop and we think and we act. That falls in line with the Old Testament word for listen. Because in the Old Testament, the word for listen really has two parts to it. The first part is that word implies that we, we don't just listen with our ears, but that we hear, that we take it in, that we understand and we comprehend it. It, it becomes something that's a part of us. We listen for the sake of hearing. And so often in our world, we listen just for an opportunity to speak. But we actually listen to hear. And then the second thing is listening requires action. We do something with what we hear. I think about that Old Testament word and that, that double meaning that it's not one or the other, but it's both at the same time. And I think stop, think, and act. Exactly like what Cindy talked about the last two weeks. See, when we live without wisdom, we're living on our own. When we live without seeking God's counsel, we're completely on our own. We might have friends, but you know what? There's a very good chance the people that we go to are going to do what happened with Jeroboam. They're just going to tell us what we really want to hear. And just because our friends tell us we're right doesn't mean it's wisdom. When we listen to friends' advice and not godly wisdom, we run into trouble. Ecclesiastes 9.18 says, Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Rehoboam, because he chose to listen to his friends, destroyed everything that his father before him had built. So let's go back to that first question. Who's the wisest person that you know? Would your friends, would the people in, uh, at your work, would the people who know you the best, would they call you a person of godly wisdom? If not, how come? What can you do about it? You can ask God. 
But who's the wisest person you know? It might be a parent, it might be a teacher, it might be a grandparent, it might be one of your Wednesday night adult leaders if you're a kid. Who's the wisest person that you know? See, according to the Bible, we can know all about Solomon, but we can't actually know Solomon. But we can know Jesus. We can know Jesus personally, and Jesus, the only Son of God, has knowledge and the ability and the way of using that knowledge for good. That's wisdom. And you and I can benefit from that wisdom in a personal relationship with Jesus through God's Word. You can get opinions and advice from anyone. You can have people tell you that you're right all day long. It doesn't mean that you are. The old thing says just because the crowd agrees with you, it doesn't mean that you're right. See, wisdom is something different. And it's not something that everybody has. When you face a decision, what do we do? We seek wisdom. 35,000 decisions a day, at least a few of those are probably worthy of stopping and thinking before you act. At least some of those decisions are worth seeking wisdom from someone who you know will give you godly wisdom. And so we slow ourselves down and we seek God's wisdom in prayer and in His Word. Think about it. You've got the choice 35,000 times a day to make decisions. Some of them are inconsequential. Some of them are probably life-changing. Every single day, which means you've got 35,000 times to be what the Bible would call wise or foolish. What are you going to choose? Let's pray. God, thank you again for your word. Thank you for your desire for all of us to be people who are wise. God, thank you that, like James says, that you give us wisdom for asking that you don't withhold And wisdom, God, is being in a relationship with you, listening to you, knowing and studying and following in your word and living according to your will for our lives. It isn't that hard. And yet, we get it wrong so often. And that's why we need Jesus, because when we get it wrong, it's called sin. God, help us to be people who truly want wisdom, who who don't just accept the forgiveness that we receive for Jesus, but that we take that relationship and we grow in it. We grow in wisdom, not just knowledge, but wisdom. And then God, help us even further to the challenge of being a person, a godly man, a godly woman, who others look to to seek wisdom from you. God, I can imagine there's not many greater compliments than that. God, help us to be the kind of folks that are known for our godly wisdom, not for how smart we are, not for our knowledge or how much we know, but for our godly wisdom that comes from a relationship with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 35,000 decisions a day. You can either make those decisions by choosing to follow God and His wisdom and having that be a part of how you make your decision, or you can go to friends and ignore God, and more often than not, we end up being the fool. 35,000 times a day to choose wisdom or to choose foolishness. We get to choose, and God makes everything available for us to choose wisely.